tell you about my Tuesday because on Tuesday, I didn't know that I was going to be preaching this morning. In fact, I didn't know that I was going to be doing this until last night after my dad did the Saturday night service and then he went to his office and my mom and I came back there and we're looking at him going, oh dear, you're not doing this again, are you? See, my dad got sick midweek and he's been pushing through his symptoms and pushing through and after last night's service, there was just no more pushing through. He couldn't do it anymore. So he is homesick and I'm pinch hitting. I guess what they call it in the sports world. And so I am pinch hitting preaching. But see, I didn't know that I was going to be preaching on Tuesday, but God did. And so I want to tell you about my Tuesday. On Tuesday, I went to Rochester, New York, because I was going to be speaking at a conference at Roberts Wesleyan College. And as I was getting ready to leave, the Lord really laid it on my heart to text my cousin, Stephen. Now, I need to fast rewind a little bit. The night before Easter, at like 11.30 p.m., my phone rang. It was my cousin, Stephen. Now, this was weird because my cousin, Stephen, and I don't talk. He's from my dad's side of the family, and that's like the side we see at Christmas, and that's it, okay? So I've never really received a phone call from my cousin, Stephen, before. It was a little weird. And so I answered my phone at 11.30 at night, the night before Easter, and he started telling me about how he needed just to talk to somebody because he was really battling depression and anxiety. And the day before, he was released from a psychiatric hospital, and he just needed to talk to somebody. Now, what you have to know is that my cousin is agnostic. He doesn't love Jesus. So it was weird that he was calling me, first off, just because we don't do that. And secondly, it was weird that my agnostic cousin was reaching out to his pastor cousin, who he knows, like, loves Jesus, right? And I was like, okay, God, what are you doing here? And so I just started praying, and I started speaking into his life a little bit. And so Tuesday, when I knew that I was going to be in Rochester, which is where my cousin lives, I texted him, told him, hey, I'm going to be in the area. If you want to get coffee or something, I'll be around. And so he texts me back, and I see it when I finally get to Rochester, and I'm able to pull off and look at my phone. And he said, you know what, that would be great, but I'm running on three hours of sleep. Do you mind coming to my apartment? instead. And so I go over to his apartment, come to find out that that night before, Monday night into Tuesday, he had had a crippling anxiety attack that had led him to calling his therapist, and he was almost hospitalized once again for depression and anxiety. And he was just in a place where he just needed somebody to be there and to listen and to sit with him. So that's what I did. I sat. Now, you've got to understand, he lives in like a studio apartment, so I'm sitting on the floor. There's like no furniture, right? And so we're just talking, and I'm listening to him, and he's sharing with me his struggles and his hurts. And again, he's agnostic. And so he's telling me he has hope. I'm like, okay, Stephen, so where is your hope? It's like, well, my therapist just helps me understand that everything is sacred, so I am sacred, so that's my hope. I'm like, all right. And now as a Christian, I'm like, yes, your life is sacred, right? You were made in the image of God. That is good, right? Your life is sacred. But that hope that he has is fragile, right? It's going to crumble. It's hope that can be popped with a pin. And that's why he's struggling so much. He does not have hope. And so God has been writing this message in my heart since Tuesday. And I didn't even know it. He did. 
Because this message that my dad was going to give today was going to be about our hope as Christians and where it comes from and how we need to be messengers of hope in a hopeless world. Because see, my cousin Stephen is not a rarity. You all have Stevens in your life. You may be walking through life without hope right now. You may be struggling in that area. Or you know somebody and you know you do and you can picture their face and you know their name and they don't have hope. They don't know that Jesus loves them. They don't know that there is hope in the very fact that the God of the universe died for them, loves them, and calls them by name. They don't know that. And so we as Christians have to take this message of hope to a hopeless world. And so this morning, we're going to look at Psalm 30, and we're going to talk about what this looks like, because it is all too important. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Psalm chapter 30, and I'm going to be reading from the New International Version, and this is the word of the Lord. I will exalt you, Lord, for you lifted me out of the depths and did not let my enemies gloat over me. Lord, my God, I called to you for help, and you healed me. You, Lord, brought me up from the realm of the dead. You spared me from going down to the pit. Sing praises of the Lord, you, his faithful people. Praise his holy name. For his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may stay for the night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. When I felt secure, I said I will never be shaken. Lord, when you favored me, you made my royal mountain stand firm. But when you hid your face, I was dismayed. To you, Lord, I called. To the Lord, I cried for mercy. What is gained if I am silenced, if I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it proclaim your faithfulness? Hear, Lord, and be merciful to me. Lord, be my help. You turned my wailing into dancing. You removed my sackcloth and clothed me with joy that my heart may sing your praises and not be silent. Lord, my God, I will praise you forever. See, the psalmist knew where his hope and his help came from. His hope and his help came from God, came from the Lord. And so when he was in trouble, it says it very clearly, he turned to the Lord. He called out to the Lord. Verse 2 says, Lord, my God, I called to you for help and you healed me. Right? He's constantly calling to the Lord because he knows that is where his hope is. He knows that is where his help comes from. And see, then how does he respond? How does he respond to God healing him, to the hope that he's experiencing? He praises God. I love the last verse there, verse 12. It says that my heart may sing your praises and not be silent. See, Christians, church, if you have experienced the hope of God, if you have experienced that healing, that salvation, where your help comes from, if you've experienced that, you cannot be silent. You cannot be silent because too many people are searching for hope and they're going to all the wrong places and they're trying to find something to help them and support them and they're lost without hope and we are the only ones who have real hope. Because hope is found in Christ alone. And so we have a call to praise the Lord out loud and in front of people who are in desperate need of help because this world needs hope. And so we cannot be silent. 
I want to tell you about something that's going on in the world today that you may or may not be familiar with. There is a TV show out on Netflix called 13 Reasons Why. I don't know how many of you are familiar with this show. Um, if you're a teenager, you probably are. <laughs> but I work with teenagers, which means that I'm friends with a lot of them on Facebook. That's kind of how that goes. And so they start posting about this show, 13 Reasons Why. I'm like, okay, they're like obsessed with it. What is it? I should probably find out. So I look up 13 Reasons Why and I start watching it. And I watched a few episodes, and here's the premise. And parents, if you have teenagers, you need to know this. You need to know what this show's about. If you work with teenagers in any shape, way, or form, you should know what this show is about. Because this show became the most popular show on Netflix, like, overnight. And here's the premise. A high school girl commits suicide. And instead of leaving a note, a suicide note, she records 13 tapes listing the 13 reasons why she committed suicide. Each one of those reasons is a person, a person who did something to her that ended up leading to her committing suicide. Now, people who were creating this show were hopeful that it would like raise awareness about teen suicide and help in some way, shape, or form, but I watched part of this show. And here's what I realized, and here's what was really discouraging for me as I watched this show. There is no hope. There is no hope in this show. And here's part of the problem. All of the adults in this show look like idiots, okay? Like the school guidance counselor looks like an idiot, and the school principal is trying to cover up the suicide so the school can't get sued. And the parents are like, well, if you need to talk, you know, let, let me know. Like, I'm like, oh my goodness, are we serious? And so this is what we're showing our teenagers. We're showing our teenagers who have real issues these aren't made-up issues, okay? Depression and anxiety and the things that they are battling are real, right? And we're showing them that there's nowhere for them to turn. That if they're struggling, if they try to turn to a doll, it's not going to help. That there is no hope. That is what this show is teaching. That is what this show is showing. And so as the church... We have a responsibility because we have hope. We have hope. And so we can't be silent. We can't be silent. We can't sit here and just think about the hope that we have. We need to take it to the world. And we need to show them. We need to show teenagers. We need to show people who are struggling that there are people who care and that there is real hope. We celebrated Easter a few weeks ago. And I want to take us back to the Easter story. I'm going to take us to John chapter 20. So if you have your Bibles with you, you can look at me at John 20, 11 through 18. And we're going to look at the story of Mary Magdalene. Because I believe that we can all find ourselves somewhere in this story. And it's important that we understand what our call is and where we are in this story. So this is John 20, starting in verse 11. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? 
They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. And Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them I am ascending to the Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. See, Mary at the tomb was hopeless. Jesus had been crucified, Jesus was dead, and she was weeping and had no hope. And some of you are that, Mary. Some of you are weeping with no hope. The cover of your bulletin says, weeping may last for the night, but joy comes in the morning, and you're dying to know when morning is. Because you feel like this night of weeping is just never going to end. And you're broken down, and you're crying without hope. And Jesus is calling your name. And you need to know that this morning. You need to know that Jesus is calling your name. If you are without hope, if you are weeping, if you are struggling, Jesus is standing there and he is calling your name and waiting for you to recognize him and waiting for you to recognize the hope that he has for you. And some of you have experienced that hope and you've heard him call your name. And if that is you, I want to encourage you to leave the tomb. Mary didn't sit there. She didn't sit there with that hope. She ran and she told the disciples, I have seen the Lord. Church, we need to run with this hope. We cannot sit on it. There are too many people who do not know that Jesus loves them. There are too many people who do not have this hope and we have it and we sit on it. We are being called to praise the Lord and to praise him loudly and to take this hope to this broken world because people need to know that Jesus loves them. People need to know that Jesus is calling them by name. I so long, I so long for my cousin Stephen to know that Jesus is calling him by name. And right now he doesn't. He doesn't know that Jesus is calling him by name. He doesn't know that there's real hope. And we need people of God to go to these people who have no hope and to tell them, look, there is a God who loves you, who calls you by name, and we need to be messengers of this hope because it's too important. There are too many people struggling. And so I want you to ask yourself, where are you this morning? Are you Mary weeping at the tomb? And if that's you, I want you to know that Jesus is calling you by name and that the weeping really does only last for the night and that there is joy that comes in the morning if you would respond to the Jesus calling your name. That is where hope is found. 
And if you have heard Jesus call your name, if you have experienced that hope, then you need to go. And you need to boldly proclaim that there is hope in the name of Jesus, and you need to praise his name out loud. Because people need to know. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, I just thank you for the hope that is found in you. I thank you for the way that you move and the way that you lead and the way that you guide. And Lord, right now we just ask that you be with the people here, Lord, that you would speak to them. Lord, if they do not know that hope is found in you, Lord, that you would make that clear and that you would just speak to them and that you would pour into their hearts and their minds, Lord, and that you would guide them and direct them to you. Lord, so they can experience that hope and that joy. And Lord, right now I pray for those of us who have experienced the hope, Lord, give us boldness, give us courage. Lord, may we walk boldly into situations and just proclaim your love and your grace. Lord, that people might know you, that they might know that God is, you are calling them by name. And Lord, I ask that you be with my cousin Stephen and all the Stevens represented in this room who do not know you. Lord, would you just continue to call their name that they might hear you and might be drawn to you. Lord, we love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. He chose someone like you to declare his praise. Let's stand as we offer this last song to God in praise and worship.